0: Here I'm
1: Dee, joined by Libby. Hi guys! <laughs> My God!
0: <laughs> and um, this is not a Fergie podcast, but we still stand Fergie, Star
1: Spangled Banner, and all. Do we still stand her? I love me some Fergie. I mean, every everyone stumbles sometimes. <laughs> but shit. <laughs> um,
0: I just imitated Fergie at the All-Star Game. Is that where it was? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was imitating Fergie at the All-Star Game. For those of you that don't know, I feel like everybody kind of knows now if you're active in social media, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are talking about the Black Panther. We finally saw it. So this is essentially just part two to our part one episode. And it's full of spoilers. But at this point, Black Panther has been out for like two weeks. So I feel like everybody should have seen it by now. If not, you know, pause it. Go watch the movie and then unpause the podcast and come back and listen. In that order. In that order. You got to do it in that order. So, I, first of all, don't really know where to begin. I love the movie. I thought it was amazing. Um, My boyfriend in my head, Sterling K. Brown, was in the movie. I didn't know. I knew he was going to be in the movie, but I didn't know who he was going to be playing. Because they were, like, super secretive about his character. Like, super secretive. Black Panther stars Chadwick Boseman, Lupita Nyong'o, Angela Bassett, Letitia Wright, Danai Gurira, Forrest Whitaker, Sterling K. Brown, what's that boy's name? Michael B. Jordan. Damn, I'm slipping. Uh, them niggas from The Hobbit. Uh, I feel like I'm missing someone.
1: We oh, gonna... no, Winston Duke. He's in as well. Yeah, I didn't forget him. <laughs> I was
0: saying. I was saving him for the end. And Winston Duke as Mbaku. If you guys don't know about Black Panther, if you're not well versed in Marvel comic universe, Black Panther is one of the first black superheroes in the Marvel universe. He is T'Challa and he is the king of Wakanda. Wakanda is a fictional country in Africa. They are sort of hidden away from the world, so they haven't been colonized. They haven't had to deal with the struggles of losing their people slavery. So it is just black, 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 black in Wakanda. Beautiful black people everywhere. And where the vibranium is, if you guys don't know about the vibranium, In this universe, it all comes full circle, which is kind of cool because 10 years later, after Iron Man first came out, it kind of just goes right back to the main source of everything. Vibranium is what was keeping Tony Stark alive, and it's what is used in Captain America's shield. It's, like, super, super important in the Marvel comic universe. So important that Thanos is trying to take it all, And the Infinity Rings, the Infinity Gems, sorry, not rings, Infinity Gems or whatever, in Infinity War that is coming out this summer. So that was like a a brief little history. I hope that helped a little bit. I love Marvel Comics. I love them the way, I don't know, I love cake. So getting right into it, my favorite character was Shuri. Absolutely. Shuri and Okoye was played. Shuri is played by Letitia Wright and Okoye is played by Danai Gurira. Uh, Shuri is T'Challa's very precocious little sister, super intelligent, wicked smart, just awesome. And Okoye is the general of the Dormelage. and the Dora is like the all-female bodyguard or army, honestly, in Wakanda. and they just, I mean, everybody was amazing in this movie. Don't get me wrong. But it was just something about them. Every time they would come on screen, I would light up. I would get so happy just to see them back on screen again. I just really, really, really enjoyed them. So those were my two favorite characters. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm partial to Chadwick Boseman. We had this talk last week you know, or two weeks ago, I would sit him down between my legs and I would grease his scalp. And we talked about Winston Duke as well. And I think that y'all know how I feel about Winston Duke, especially if you follow me on Twitter. I feel like, you know, at this point, I would drink his bath water and lick the tub. <laughs> like, oh. I, I want it. I want. He is so big. Oh my god! He's six foot five, but he lies and says that he's six foot four because he feels like there's a cutoff.
1: Yeah, it's a cutoff, all right. And my vagina, girl. Hello. The only thing we cutting off is these clothes. Snip, <laughs> <Flip>, snip. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get
0: to the the thirst later. Uh, but we're going to talk about the characters right now and. Um,
1: Who's your favorite? Oh my god. That's so... It's so hard. Like, I honestly... I know that's such a cop-out answer. Like, I can't pick a favorite. Like, I guess if I had to pick a cluster of characters, it would definitely be the girls. Like, all the women in the movie were so strong and brave and beautiful and just unwavering in their ideals and their opinions and their thoughts. And then they were kicking ass. Like a hit a nigga in their face with her wig. Like, hello. That's just like, it was just the women in the film were just like the driving force behind Black Panther. They were definitely into T'Challa's corner and they definitely helped him become the king that he unfortunately had to become because of the passing of his father, but they definitely were the backbone of that movie and they got shit done. So um, I can't pick a favorite character out of the girls because they were all just fucking amazing. So I just have to pick them as a nice uniformed cluster of easy, breezy, beautiful, bad bitches getting shit done. Mm -hmm. They were just like... It was just amazing. I just... Heart and spirit was just overfilled and overjoyed with seeing and witnessing so much melanin on one screen and to witness it on a Marvel movie. So a huge budget and a huge scale. That was like... that That was important. So... Definitely. This was for the ladies. They, they, they got it. They got it going on. Awesome. So yeah,
0: the women were amazing. Oh my God. I definitely agree. The women were amazing in this movie. And I don't think that it's without, I don't think that it is unintentional. That's what I mean to say that. Ryan Coogler would make that such a big deal.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because even when you're introduced to Nakia, she's so fucking beautiful. Just, I just kind of got like, kind of tripped up on it because I was thinking about how pretty she was. I felt like Chadwick for a second. I was like sitting here looking at Lupita in my head and I was
1: like, fuck, man you feel like the whole male cast is totally enamored (laughs) by Lupita? Like, I've seen so many pictures where you see uh, Chadwick, you see Winston, you see Michael, all just intertwined and looking at her.
0: yeah,
1: Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya in awe, in absolute awe of her and her presence. Like, I mean, these niggas is handsome and they all right and they are tripped up you got me slipping, tripped up, dipped up, <laughs> flipped up. Oh, you're loving. Like, my God, they're so enamored by her. That one picture that I love so much where Chadwick is gripping her whole hand, not touching her hand or, or like, you know, have it lightly in, her, in his hand. No, he got his whole hand over her whole hand. And you can see the vein popping out of his hand like this, my woman. And they all speak so highly of her. Like, bitch. My head would be the size of Texas. Like, my God. It's just so beautiful how they love on each other. That whole cast just loves on each other and dotes on each other. And it's such a beautiful vibration (laughs) between the whole cast. It doesn't feel like yes
0: or anything like
1: that. It doesn't seem fake or like, here we are doing this press junket. I just feel, every time I see them... Whether it's in a pair or when they buy in interviews by themselves, when they speak of the other castmates, I just feel love. It's just a constant flow of love, which is so indicative of Black culture. Like these are your brothers, these are your sisters, and this is a huge project that we're working on together. And it's just all this love just being circulated in the atmosphere, and it's just it's such a such a beautiful thing, truly. And
0: you. Honestly, like, they are so humble with how big it is. Like, it just seems, I don't know, they fucking shook like the rest of us. Because yeah. it's pulling in numbers. And I just like that they know that it's bigger than them. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than the cast. It's a huge, huge deal. I know a lot of people were saying that, you know, there, there have been movies with Black superheroes before, but, you know, we did have Blade and we had Spawn and we had all those other movies, but the difference between a movie like Blade and Black Panther is that Blade was the only Black person really in the movie that was like a main, main character. It was Blade. This is a Black movie with Black people doing Black shit And it is a big, big deal. It is so big and so huge and so important. And I'm not discrediting Blade because Blade is one of my favorite films. Dark-skinned women doing badass shit. We never get to see women like this fight unless you waste your time and watch The Walking Dead with the Nye on there. And that's another thing too. I don't know where they're gonna go with the Walking Dead and Michonne shown as a character, but the night is just bigger than that show at this point to me. I just feel like she done moved beyond it. So yeah. I um not to just trill off or whatever, but <clears throat> I just really, really love how this cast is as appreciative as we are of the heritage and the history and the inclusion of this
1: movie that is important people don't realize it yeah we do. i feel like we needed this movie as a whole as a culture i mean socially The climate for black and brown individuals as of the last few years has been ridiculous on all fronts. So I think that Black Panther was a call to arms and it was a call that was answered in a very rare thing. Because usually, as always, as we discuss on this podcast all the time. We're ignored and we're not included and we're whitewashed and we're uh, pushed to the side. But I think that this was a movie that the culture needed, Mm -hmm. uh, that that we as Black and Brown individuals needed. Like we needed this. And so when people see everybody going to the premieres dressed up in in their African attire, or you see a little kid dressed up. Like Black Panther, or you see a little girl dressed up like you know the the warrior, the the, the all female army. Like it's so much bigger than ourselves, and so much it's it fed us. This movie fed us spiritually and emotionally. And I know it obviously doesn't erase all the horrible shit that has happened to us. That has been in the news for the past few years, but it gave us a break and it gave us a time to just be free and to just have fun and see ourselves reflected back at us where we're not necessarily slaves. We're not a maid. We're not, you know, someone's background to their foreground. We are the scientists. We are the superhero. We are everything interwoven into the fabric that is Black Panther. So it's like, it was a huge deal. And, it, and one thing I also liked about it is it crossed cultural lines because I was telling D like when I went to go see it, it was a little white boy in front of me in the row up ahead. That was, I mean, the little boy was standing out over his Black Panther. So it's just, it was beautiful to see all these people coming together for their love of Marvel um, and for the love of Black Panther, like, it was just, mm-hmm. we needed it. We just needed it. I, I can't wait to see more movies like this. Like, this is just the beginning, truly. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: I totally agree. Um, I agree with everything you said. It's just, It's just beautiful. Felt good, like, leaving out of the the movie theater. I felt so good when I left out of the movie theater. And that's not to say that there are movies that I don't watch and they don't motivate me, but it's different when you get to see your people on the screen and your people behind the camera and your people in charge. Like it just fucking felt good, man. It motivates you. You're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I can do it too. Goddamn it. it. It just feels really, really good. And I just cannot wait to see them. In Infinity War and Black Panther 2. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm like, oh my God, the night is going to be in Black Panther 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I can't wait. wait. Oh my I can't fucking wait. <laughs> 20.
1: You got like
0: overwhelmed, right? You were like, holy shit, that's right. <laughs> they're going to be making another one.
1: <laughs> like every time they show, the, show that scene in Infinity War where they're running, like you see, you see all of them. You see the Hulk. You see Okoye, you see Black Panther, you see Steve Rogers. I'm like all these niggas are just running, trying to yeah, beat him. up, trying to beat up Debo, get him, <laughs> all of them. So this story
0: takes place literally like a day or so or week after. What is the timeline? It takes place like a day after. So I'm it not takes. Su-
1: Um, Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not sure of the exact timeline, but it's like really in close succession. I would say it's about maybe a week, if not less.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Black Panther, T'Challa, he comes back, he greets his family. You know, they handling it pretty well. He like, well, time goes on. So, time for me to do my coronation. Like, his daddy literally died, and he was like, okay, well, it's time for me to be sworn in as the king. I was like, fuck, bro. Damn. Um, He says that he don't want to do the coronation without Nakia because he's still in love with her. Mind you, Nakia is on a mission doing some serious shit. Like, she's helping kidnapped women. Uh, She's saving them from human traffickers. This motherfucker breaks up, like, her mission... To ask her, like, will you be my date to the coordination? <laughs> that is basically what he does. And Nakia's like, fuck you, bro. I'm trying to do my motherfucking, like, mission. This is rude. But of course I'll go. And <laughs> Okoye-, Okoye tells him, you know, don't freeze when you, when you see her. Because you're going to fuck up and you're going to get hurt. And he was like, I don't ever freeze when I see her. But what he do when he see her? fucking freezed to quote Koy- he was like he froze like an antelope in headlights and everybody giggled at him and that's we're introduced to his adorable sister shuri and shuri is showing him that she updated the costume and you get to find you get to know a little bit more about her and she's incredibly intelligent and still very much a teenager i thought that they did that really well Uh, Whoever wrote that script, hats off to you because I felt like they did it really well. They made her definitely be a teenager, but also she's a fucking genius. So while he's getting like his coronation or whatever, he gets challenged and nobody is, nobody wants to challenge him. And so Shuri's like, you know, and we get this shit over with because I am uncomfortable. It's hot out here. Let's go. Then you just hear like some barking Mm. and like all these big niggas just walk out of this cave. And I was like, who, what is happening? Who, what? It was like the Mr. Krabs meme where he was like, everything is going wild around him. And he's just like, Holy shit. That's how I felt. So then M'Baku comes out and uh,
1: yeah. My God. Oh, my God.
0: M'Baku said, you know, y'all gonna let this guy become your king when he couldn't even protect his own father. And that was really rude because his dad literally just died like two days ago. And then M'Baku was like, I'll fight the nigga. So... Forrest Whitaker was like, okay, well, we got to make it fair. And so he said, <laughs> hit it. <laughs> he said, you will be stripped of the strength of the black penta. And I was wondering, like, why he talking like that if he was like Compton for like 10 years?
1: I don't understand. <laughs> of the Black Panther, you will be stripped of the
0: strength. Why?
1: He was accent inc-
0: was stronger than everybody else's. He was
1: in Compton, living a regular-ass life. Where did this accent come from? It was so heavy. The <laughs> continuity in that particular... It was off, bro. Regard was off.
0: What the the fuck? Forrest, what is you doing? Remember, he played Idi Amin. So maybe he was like, let me just recycle my Idi Amin
1: accent. He's like, I'm not going to practice.
0: (laughs) I mean, he sounded like he was a white guy from South Africa. That's how he sounded. South Africa. That's how he sounded. Bleak. Bleak Pinta, girl. That was... He was rolling yeah. them bees. Stripped. Bitch. Like, it was a lot happening. And so he got stripped of the power of the Black Panther. And he had to fight in Baku. And there was one scene where, oh, shit, bro. His leg was around. His leg, his neck, his shoulder, something like that. And I was like,
1: oh, Yeah. And they and were I fighting read that fanfic. And they were fighting in water and shit. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. It was nice and nasty. I just loved it. I was like, let them fight. <laughs>
0: and it created like an internet love affair with the actor that plays Mbaku, Winston Duke, Big Sexy. Winston Duke is our Bay of the Week. Wow. Winston Duke is six foot five. He is from Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. (laughs) Bitch. He's going to turn into Shabba. Shabba. Call me now.
1: Call me now. (laughs) (laughs) Call me, Winston.
0: Call me. Call me now. You didn't respond to my DM, Winston, but that's okay i'm just playing y'all yeah. i didn't dm him she lies. she probably did <laughs> i don't dm my face. i do the opposite i run away no <laughs> you, can't can't you, close. <laughs> you can't see me you, you can't, can't see me you can't see me uh no i i i did not y'all seriously um <laughs> i have to say that because y'all know i'm a fool Uh. so anyway he lost his fight and he respected that shit he respected his loss and he peaced the fuck out I can't remember what happened after that but then we go to Killmonger (laughs) and we're introduced to Michael B. Jordan bitch Ah! the moment they showed him I was like I'm compromised if you guys remember our previous episode you know we were kind of like if that's your cup of tea you know More power to you. Because he's not our cup of tea. But as Killmonger? Nigga. I told my girls he can get it. Girl. Front ways, back ways. What's that Petey Pablo song? Do you want a missionary with your feet crammed to the headboard? Do you want it on the floor? Do you want it on a chair? Do you want it over here? Do you want it over there? Do you want it in your pussy? Do you want it in your ass? I can get you anything you can handle. High electric daddy. Freakily. Then they show his gold teeth. I have this thing for dreadlocks. I have this thing. Like, I have a weakness for dreads. I just. Dreads and twists and shit like that, I have a weakness for it. So I was already kind of like, okay, oh, okay, okay. But then they showed his gold teeth and I was like, oh, oh okay.
1: Because <laughs> if y'all don't know, we are Southern gals. Yeah. And we love them them gold toothes and gold yeah. fangs. We
0: love them fangs.
1: So, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. We were compromised. Breach, (laughs) breach, (laughs) breach. Yeah, we were totally totally fucking compromised. But uh, he was fucking insane. He spent a lot of his time working on revenge. Like, I understood his frustration because he lives in Oakland. Um, so he was definitely a part of the disenfranchised and marginalized and having to deal with the struggle and racism and everything that came with being a black man in this country. And so, yeah, you do have a bitter taste left in your mouth living this life. And if you let it consume you, you become Killmonger. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: And I I totally get where he was coming from. I think he was a very good villain. Very good portrait of a villain. Michael B. Jordan did the damn thing. But I think that Michael B. Jordan is a good actor. I think he's a very talented man. I really, really do. It ain't one time where I seen Michael B. Jordan and was just like, get him off. He's a good actor. I think he's a really, really great actor. Um, But I just... Can't fuck with Killmonger. I like I thirst and I probably let him smash, but once he starts saying, you know, when you menstruate, it's because you uh you have colonized your mind, then it's time for me to tap out because he was definitely a fucking hotel. <laughs> definitely. He was you don't use tampons because they're white. I just feel like he would say some shit like that. And I mean, I ain't that thirsty. I know some of y'all out there will probably be like, yes, daddy, but it that ain't going to fly over here. I'm too stubborn. And Lindsey's too stubborn. <laughs> so it's not. I'm like, fuck you. I'm finna get my tampons and go. You call me when you acting right, Eric, because I don't have time for this.
1: Eric with a K. Eric
0: with a K. So... He ended up becoming like, I don't want to say confidant, but he was essentially working with Claw, which is played by Andy Serkis, a.k.a. Smeagol from Lord of the Rings. And they were quote unquote allies. And then he ended up killing Smeagol. He took him out. And he killed his girlfriend, too. She did all that illegal shit for him. And her ass got shot in the head when when Smiggle had wrapped his arm around her. She was like, I'm so sorry, Eric. And he was like, it's going to be okay. Pop. I was like, God damn, that shit threw me. So that was the first woman. No, that was the second one, but that first one don't count.
1: Um, that was the first. I was like, "What, well, first woman? Oh, white bitch with that Starbucks." Nobody cares. She was. She that's a perfect example of going beyond your job description and trying to be a hero. Girl, Ryan Coogler did that shit. Because let me let me just touch on this just a few, un moment, oh momento, because when we were first introduced to Killmonger, they're in this museum with all these African artifacts. And he's like, "Yeah, girl. Hey, Becky. Tell me about this." And she's like, "Oh, this is from the Mesothelians, This is blah, blah blah blah. You know, all snooty because she's a quote unquote expert of these African artifacts." And then, so then he take her to this other glass window and was like, well, tell me about this one. And she's like, oh, it's from so-and-so tribe. And he's like, oh no, you're actually wrong. That's from Wakanda and it has vibranium in it and all this stuff. And she was like, excuse me? It's like, yeah, you didn't know, you know, colonizers came and they stole everything and all, like y'all stole all this art. He pretty much reading her for filth. Mind you, at this point, he hasn't done anything violent or anything that would, he wasn't you th- aggressive he at
0: wasn't all. He wasn't
1: aggressive. It wasn't anything that would make you think that he was going to do anything violent if you, you know, obviously, as a watcher, you know where it's going to go. But for all intensive storytelling purposes, you didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. And she was going to call security. She's, if you, I'm going to have to call security. For what? For him telling you that you're wrong about a piece of art? So he's like, oh, you worried about... <laughs> you said you worried about me uh, calling security, but you're not worried about this, what you're drinking and this poison you're putting in your body. And then Becky passed out. Yeah. No, Becky died. Becky did. She gone. So it's like, mind your business, Becky. That's what they good for, Becky. <laughs> I'm gonna have to call security. Security for what? Even if, he dis- even if you disagree with what he was saying, I would have been like, okay, well, this is what the art is. This is the a- the facts the fact sheet says so here we go.
0: Yep. And we coining a new phrase right now. She was back in. That's what she was doing. Let me call security because I done checked you. They got this shit bad though. I don't wanna get into that, but they got it bad. They'll start some shit and then you pop off and be like, bitch, who the fuck you talking to? And then either they cry or they try to get people to jump you.
1: They usually go for the
0: tears. Yeah. Okay.
1: They got but but Mr. Kugler knew what he was doing. He knew
0: exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. I feel like he also knew exactly what he was doing when Eric Killmonger was hurting all these women. I was like, where the fuck first of all, where the fuck is his mama? I'm gonna tell y'all, cause I thought they were Felicia Rashad was gonna be in the movie. When they did the list of characters that were gonna be in the movie, her name was on the list and I was like, oh, she's probably gonna play Killmonger's mama. Cause I knew Angela Bassett was playing Oh Boy's Mama. I knew that. T'Challa. So I I knew that. So I thought maybe she was going to be playing his uh, Killmonger's Mama, but she never showed up. And I was just like, where the fuck is his mom? Why does... What is this issue that he has specifically with women? Because when that lady, one of the elders, had told him... So y'all, okay. Killmonger ended up going to Wakanda and he beat the brakes off Black Panther through him over the cliff into the water, down a waterfall, and they were like that nigga dead. So anyway, um, one of the elders told him, you know, okay, we're gonna give you the the heart flower to help you get your black panthers black black panther strength. And he was like, No, we're gonna burn all this shit up. I'm gonna get mine, then we're gonna burn it up. And she was like, Well, what about In the future, if there's another Black Panther. And he yoked her the fuck up, bruh. He grabbed her by the neck. He lifted her up. And he said, when I tell you to do that shit, you do that shit. And it was was funny the way he said it. So I kind of like, I kind of chuckled a little bit. But I was like, dude, what the fuck? Because later on when Daniel Kaluuya was like, are you sure that you want us to charge after him? He yoked him up. I'm just saying. I noticed that. I peeped it. I be, I be seeing, and I peeped it.
1: Coogler knew. Coogler knew.
0: He did, and then he almost killed Shuri. He killed that door, Melaje. He and was it so was crazy. rude. <laughs> then he was crazy, and he was disrespectful
1: to hey, Auntie. <laughs> hey Auntie. Hey Auntie. <laughs> Life. <laughs> I was saying that all weekend. Life, you (laughs) work!
0: Oh, shit. I think me and Ashley, (laughs) we were the ones that were saying, hey, auntie.
1: (laughs) And I'd come right in,
0: life, life! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And also, a running theme with Marvel and Disney is these trash-ass fathers. Yes
1: bitch you either whether it's an animated series and both of your parents is dead or missing or the marvel movies where you somewhere that is trash
0: like so the story of killmonger is that his daddy black panther's uncle so they cousins and Libby had to remind me this, because I was like, ooh, I'm really so fanfic. And she was like, but they're cousins. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could write an ultimate universe, but and, you know, I can't get down with that. But And they first cousins. so mm-hmm. it's gonna be Absolute, no, the blood is still very, very thick. They ain't even distant cousins. Uh-huh.
1: Mm-mm. That's so... like, our, our daddies were brothers. We cousins.
0: Yeah. <laughs> cousins. Uh, so yeah, um, when Tchaka went to go get his brother out of Compton, what is his brother's name? Induju. Induju was like, you know, I've been living here, I've seen what black people go through here, like it's fucked up, bro. We need to fight. We need to fight back. And Tchaka was like, nigga, this ain't our battle. <laughs> like, this ain't our ministry, bro. You were here to do one thing and one thing only. And you've slipped by the wayside. Also, can we talk about how fine young Tachaka was? We sure can. Let's praise on it. Bitch, he was so fine. Oh my God. He was like you know you see them pictures of niggas from the 70s and they be looking real clean and smooth he looked like he felt fresh out like the fucking 70s like fine nigga 1977 you know some shit like that like that's what he looked like to me like a nigga that looked like he listened to Al Green like
1: you step out the caddy dun
0: yes,
1: dun dun dun
0: in <laughs> a leisure shoot.
1: like he just he was
0: fine he was like classically fine to Chaka, tell his brother, you know, bro, we gotta go. This ain't our fight, we gotta go. And Duju was like, nah, homie, I can't leave. He never said why. He was just like, I can't leave. Or did he say why? Like, I fell in love. He told the kid in the movie, like, I fell in love with somebody. I'm here. I have a family. I just can't go. And um, uh, T'Chaka, sorry. T'Chaka looked at Zuri and was like, Yo, so Zuri's been here infiltrating and he's been reporting back to me the entire time. He said, You ain't actually been doing what you're supposed to do. And Duju was like, Nigga, what? And then Duju was going to charge at Zuri. And he wasn't, like, I don't think he was necessarily going to kill him on sight, but I guess maybe I think they were going
1: to I think they were t- just going to rumble.
0: Chaka knew something that I didn't know cuz Chaka killed his brother and I was like, "Wait a minute." I was extremely extremely jumping the gun. So he killed his brother and uh they left Eric behind. Who the fuck does that? They didn't know if he had a mother If it was just him and his daddy, they didn't know none of that. They just left the little boy behind.
1: Now, that is fucked up. That is foul. Yeah, because as they beam up in the sky, you see a little boy playing on the basketball court. It was little Eric watching his uncle
0: leave, girl. So, oh, yeah, Killmonger killed Forrest Whitaker. Because Forrest Whitaker was like, it was me. I am the reason that your father is dead. And Killmonger was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> he killed him. <laughs> Took his ass smooth out, and when he killed him, I think that really threw off the Chala's game. So he fucked the Chala up, and he threw his ass over.
1: I mean, he scooped him up, he flipped that nigga over, and tossed him over the embankment. He did him straight like Scar
0: did Mufasa.
1: It was a very, it was very a lot of Lion King parallels here.
0: Or Shakespeare.
1: Yes, you know. very Shakespearean. Yeah. Yeah. Since the Lion King is basically because we all know a, a key component in any Shakespearean drama is lack of communication.
0: <laughs> For real, betrayal like a motherfucker.
1: Like, can someone talk
0: and communicate? A Shakespeare tragedy if a motherfucker ain't betraying somebody. Use your words.
1: Oh, nobody. I always think about Othello and I'm like, if y'all had just Man. talked it out. <laughs> Man, Othello.
0: you had just talked it out. All wait. he had to say
1: was like, girl, this nigga scamming you. Wait, he scamming me too. Wait, he trash. Yeah. Yep. That's Got played. Mm, Lawrence Fishburne. My God. Oh my it's- that's the finest thing that niggas ever looked in the movie. Lawrence Fishburne is in my opinion, he is the finest, the finest in Boys in the Hood and Othello. I'm telling you, I would risk it all.
0: I thought he was pretty fine in deep cover
1: too.
0: Oh yeah. He was yeah, in he, Deep Cover. He, he could have got the he could have got the cookies. I mean Jeff Goldblum was there, but he could've got the cookies. Jeff Goldblum was a crackhead in that movie though, so no. Okay, yeah. A little
1: bit. You would date Crackhead bloom. You'd be like, baby, stop smoking crap.
0: I can change him.
1: And I'd be like, D, he's a crack addict. <laughs> you want to know where that $10 came missing in your purse? He stole it. He smoked it, girl. He
0: smoked it. But I love him.
1: Where's Jeff at? He in the restroom. He been in there like an hour and a half. <laughs> Cause he's smoking crack. You know, crack addicts be in the restroom for a long time. They really do. And you know, like, what the hell? Where's Uncle So-and-so? He in the restroom smoking crack. Smoking that
0: rock. He's yeah, smoking that damn rock.
1: I don't even think crack is that big now, right? It's like meth, right? um i don't know i think a lot of people dabble in prescription pills a lot you know what yeah and prescription pills that shit's dangerous
0: because it's really hard to break that addiction because i don't know people just they chop up adderall
1: and sniff it but jesus christ Uh oh my god girl that is terrifying that's the reason why I can't go into a Walmart or a Walgreens or whatever the drugstore is and get my chorusine over the counter because they think I'm gonna go home and make some mess in my bathtub. Good God. I have to when they, every time I go and buy my medicine, uh-huh. I have to get a sales clerk to go unlock a cabinet so I can get my medicine. Just just wanna take my medicine. Um yeah,
0: I don't know how we got there. But, but we
1: derail, uh, but let's go back. <laughs>
0: Derailing! Uh, uh, uh. So, uh, Shuri and and Queen Mother, they, they end up leaving with Nakia. Okoye and Nakia, they part ways because it's, Okoye tells Nakia, you know, I'm here for Wakanda. Um... Whoever sits in that throne, I fight for them. And Nakia tells her, like, you can love your country, absolutely, but don't get caught up in the hype when stupid shit starts to happen. And I understood both sides, really, because Okoye was like, well, I have to protect people from him. I really think, essentially, that's why she stayed, because she felt obligated to protect the elders and protect people from a tyrant like Killmonger. Because, I mean, even though he talked a good game, his his purposes were selfish and egotistical and just very narcissistic. All his reasons, it just, he could say what he want to say, but when you walking around in a fur with your titties out, thank you, by the way. When you walking in a fur with your titties out, sitting around disrespecting everybody, you clearly don't give a fuck. Like, you say, you give a fuck. And you mad at the wrong people. Like, he literally killed T'Challa because of the shit that happened with his dad and his uncle. T'Challa didn't even know either. Mm. T'Challa was like, bro, legit just met you. Like, what do you... What do you want me to say? So, you know, he took his anger out on the wrong people. Anyway... Nakia and oh and oh yeah, Everett Ross too. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, he's in the movie too. Um, he ends up becoming like like uh, Shuri's little apprentice. Honestly, he was her apprentice. She had him doing shit for her. So they go to the Jabari tribe and they go to Mbaku and Mbaku. I mean, I'm be real with y'all, man. Y'all know this is a thirst fuel. Podcast, like, I'm, I'm gonna talk about it. And Baku was sitting in that motherfucking chair with his legs wide. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna be real. I'm kind of blacked out. I don't know what else happened after that. Like, people won, you know, kill my die,
1: whatever. Black Panther was on rice and some <laughs> rice for a little bit. He was in rice, like, still. Yeah. Then I believe was, we had that conversation yeah, <laughs> yeah he, was he was in, he was in he rice, rice like a cell phone mm-hmm. then it was Johnny 5 alive then it was like okay let's shut this shit down and then it was lions, tigers, rhinoceroses oh my Yeah. <laughs> and then Okoye uh,
0: found out that her man who was played by Dan Kalua he betrayed her
1: mm-hmm. you were going to kill me um, you are going to kill me and he smiled at her and she like nigga yeah and he got, on, he got on his knees and said, I said, didn't die. Pretty much. But at that point,
0: I was shipping her with M'Baku. He was helping him fight. Okay, so Black Panther said, you know, thank you for bringing me back. Thank you for giving me the heart-shaped herb or whatever. Like, you really could have took it for yourself, but you chose not to. You a good nigga. And M'Baku was like, yeah, I am a good person. But you guys, like, y'all don't come up here to talk to us. Y'all don't really, like, fellowship with us. Y'all real funny acting. And T'Challa was like, you know, my nigga, you right. I'm going to do better. We're going to be homies now, and I'm going to do better. I'm not going to be like my daddy. I'm going to do better. And then he was like, you know, okay, cool. All right, see you later, homie. And then T'Challa was like, so can you protect my mom for me? And Baku was like, absolutely. I do it. No problem. I ain't got no problem protecting them. Okay, that's cool. Can I use some of your people to fight? And Baku was like, hell no. Nah. oh and then whenever Ross was speaking they barked at him because he's a colonizer and they don't respect colonizers and I just thought that was beautiful you know how when you go to work if especially if you're a person of color and uh you be there and you got one of them co-workers that just grate on you in my head, because I have a co-worker like that, in my head, all I could hear was like, that's all I could hear. So yeah, they barked at him, because it was just like, you know, know your place. Shut the fuck up. And then when they were giving him the herb, and and Baku turned away, because he was respecting their tradition, and here go Everett Ross. Oh my god, he was fucking looking, and Baku was like, nigga, turn around. (laughs) Stop being disrespectful! Everett with his nosy ass. <laughs> I know! That gray hair was laid, though. They it stopped was, that shit nice. It was quaffed. It was, it was quaffed. You're absolutely right. And so then, Everett ended up helping them as well. He almost, like, he was about to do an ultimate black sacrifice for Wakanda. He was going to sacrifice himself for them. But in the end, the child ended up fucking Killmonger up. And he pulled Killmonger out to the mountain so he could see the Wakanda sunset, because apparently that's the shit that his daddy talked about all the time. And he was like, so do you want a proper Wakanda burial? And Killmonger was like, no, I want you to drop me in the ocean the way my ancestors did before they were taken, stripped away from their home and taken somewhere to a strange land. And it was a very powerful thing but killmonger ain't shit so you know i was one of the many people that did not get chills because a lot of people were like i got chills when i when i
1: saw that scene i was like ah
0: yeah he fucked up a lot of people though
1: what people that was
0: terrible
1: (laughs) Wait, people were saying they got chills
0: during that scene Yeah, because I guess of the whole reference to slavery, I was just like, yeah, no, it was done beautifully. And I feel like it was very daunting that, you know, Ryan Coogler would put that in there. But he hurt so many black women. Yeah, he he was.
1: (laughs) I was like, uh, he literally had he literally had scarification all over his body that symbolized how many people that he killed. That's he was a killmonger it's like they nicknamed him the kill monger the fuck he was a monger of kills so <laughs> I mean like granted he was a villain he was a flawed villain he was not someone who uh, I feel ever had an intention of growing up to become this flawed but what's that old saying says that you live long enough that you yourself become the villain and that's what happened yeah, and he was he tried he, he killed the black panther he killed him tried yeah. to kill his sister he choked up that lady in the in the heart tomb when they were doing that the, the black killed panther his
0: fucking girlfriend
1: who's been by his side she was ride or die because she was doing illegal shit for his ass he killed his girl killed his girlfriend i mean he was not a good person so while that scene was very poetic I mean I couldn't I couldn't get over the fact that he was a trash ass nigga so I was like I was like he gotta go. I was like bye. <laughs>
0: yeah. I was like he gotta go. He gotta I would have <laughs> tossed
1: that to nigga over that in just like he did me. <laughs> <laughs> while everyone while everyone on the mountain doing their little shoulder shimmy. Yes. yes. <laughs> I said, ooh, T'Challa is so good. He's too good. He's, I mean, and that's why his daddy told him, he says you know, to be a good king, you don't always it ain't always looking out good looking good for the kids. So I mean that's something that I think T'Challa will learn over time because to be a good leader you're gonna have to step on some necks every now and then. Yeah. I think that was very telling that you kinda saw a lot of people saw T'Challa as this new hope for Wakanda because he, her, I think his father was so disconnected from a lot of things, which happens over time. You get good, you kind of get disconnected from your people.
0: You get disenfranchised
1: because yeah. his father was like, okay, you know what? I am going to go
0: out and introduce the world to Wakanda. And also, we have to remember that this man killed his own brother to protect somebody that he ain't even related to. Like he killed his own brother. I do think that you kinda get you fall by the wayside after something
1: like that happens and he carried that secret with him for so long. Yeah, that's why when Killmonger came in there and he said, Hey auntie, she was like, "Liar!" Because she didn't even know for all intents and purposes, her husband was you know she had a good man. She had a good man that loved her, loved his loved his country, loved his children. There's no way that he would have left a child back in the States and and that's killed his not, brother. That's very handy. It was a it was a lot it was a lot of uh that's something that me and me and Dee talked about like as we, you know, fangirled over the movie. It's like a lot of serious and heavy shit happened in a very close proximity of time. Yes, like, it was It was just a lot. It's I overwhelming. feel like T'Challa needs to go to a fucking therapist. He needs to go to the Wakanda
0: therapist because I know they got one and he needs to talk that shit out because that was a lot. He was consistent with Nakia. You got to stay. I'm like, Nakia, I'm not saying you got to stay, but clearly, you know, this motherfucker going through some mental shit. Like, his daddy just died. He almost died. He had to fight for his crown. Big niggas coming from the mountains telling him, you don't deserve to be king because you can't protect your daddy. Like, shit's happening. And in a few months, motherfucking Thanos is going to come and fuck shit up. That's a lot. It's a lot. Just stay for a little bit. You know, just talk to him. But he was still, you know what, and here's the thing, too. That's what I love so much about Nakia, because Nakia told him, I love you, but I love myself more, bruh. There's something that you need to know. And this is not for me to just stay here and be hidden from the world when there are so many people out there that could use my help. And so when people, another thing, too, because so when people talk about Killmonger and the betterment of black people, I don't understand because Nakia is literally right there. Everything that you want is in Nakia. Everything that you want is in Nakia. I don't understand why you hanging so far on Killmonger's word. because honestly, in the end, Killmonger was looking out for Killmonger. He really, he said he talked a lot of shit, and he wanted to do a lot of shit, but he was so far deep in the, in the head game that he didn't really care about nobody but himself. She was right there. That's who you want to follow behind. But you know, women, what do we know?
1: Lucky for you, I have you to tie my shoes. <laughs> Shout out to my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we unpacked a lot of shit, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> and we just, and we skated the surface. because Heavy shit, bruh.
0: It's just a lot of heavy shit. There's just so much, honestly, to even talk about with this movie. And I feel like, you know, over time, the podcast will bring up something like, hey, you remember Black Panther? No, 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 no. But we just want to keep it cute for y'all. Really just want to give you like a very brief synopsis. And we just wanted to continue what we started. Because we said we was going to talk about Black Panther. And we did. We did. So, yeah. We're going to go on a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Janelle Monet. Oh, what was that? <laughs>
1: vocals, vocals. It, was,
0: it was beautiful bitch I love it
1: and we're gonna talk about a drag race too oh yeah you gotta fill me in cause I know what
0: okay I got you I got all y'all so we'll be back alright yeah. baby don't make me spell it out for you. it's like I'm powerful with a little bit of tender An emotional, sexual bender Mess me up, yeah, but no one does it better There's nothing better That's just the way you make me feel That's just the way you make me feel That's just the way you make me feel That's just the way you So the you make uh-huh. so so, so, so fucking
1: Welcome to the second half of We Know You Can.
0: That was beautiful. And I feel like
1: that's how Fergie Fergie approached the Star (laughs) Spangled Banner.
0: (laughs) Like, I really do.
1: It's like, I want to sound like a drunk Liza Minnelli. Did she was singing like she was in a motherfucking nightclub. Star Spangled
0: Banner. (laughs) Yeah. That's the type of shit you do when you finna go skitty
1: booty boop. Those players' faces, oh my god! Girl,
0: motherfucking Draymond.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the camera panned on him, and he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna keep it cute." And he chuckled, and he's like, <laughs> "Nah, man." And he, did, and he did that. He did that black boy chuckle that black men do that I love. It's so fucking endearing. I want to smash them in their faces, but they do this thing. <laughs> They do this thing where they chuckle and they don't want you to see their face. So they just kind of like bend over like, oh, my God. Like, no, <laughs> don't look at <in> my face. <laughs> like, don't look. He was like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm trying to keep it cute. And then it's like the camera would not move. So he's like, oh, my God, don't look <laughs> <Yes>. at me. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Fergie said she did the best she could. You know? I did my best. But I guess my best wasn't good enough.
0: <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> I don't know how many we have left. The bottom... The top... Wait a minute. They're the on bottom. the top five now, right? Top. Yeah, I believe it's the top five on Drag Race All-Stars Season 3. Uh, this challenge was a warhol extravaganza so the girls were given the task of creating soup cans based off their personalities and that was the first half and then the second half was they would wear what you they think that their persona would wear into studio 54 so I can't remember everybody's soup can. I like Trixie's. Hers was really funny. I um, can't remember the name of hers. Shandla's had... A Hallel- what was it? Hallelujah Oats or something like that. Anyway, it was it was some spicy soup. Bendelecreme had soup. It was not anything special. Aja had some really weird... Like, my soup is very sweet like me, and it was just like, Aja, this is soup. Soup is not supposed to be sweet, boo-boo kitty. So then girls were making their dresses. Chandra, for the life of her, don't know how to sew. Chandra was like, I took sewing classes, but this just ain't my ministry. And But my issue is you come on Drag Race. Drag Race been on for like 10 years now. How the fuck do you not know how to sew even just a little bit? Like how do you not know? So, BB don't know how to sew. BB what is seasoned? Been in the game a long time. How do you not know how to fucking sew? So I should help BB with her her dress, and Shangela had to basically improvise. Shangela came out in some shit where it was like gold disc, and I got the I got the purpose of it, but the execution was not good, so Shangela ended up in the bottom two. Well, y'all know how I feel about Shangela. I want Shangela to win All-Stars 3, so I was in my fucking feelings. Then Aja ended up being in the bottom two. She didn't know how to reference all these people that she was talking about from the 70s. If you kind of know anything about cult, the ballroom culture and all that stuff, you have to know your history. It's very important that you do. Aja ended up in the bottom two, and so they asked BB. B- ended up winning, and who else won? Trixie. I like Trixie's a lot, and BB won. And they asked BB, like, you know, did you do this dress by yourself? And all by yourself, and BB was like, Yes. And I was like, BB, come on, man. You had help from Aja because Shangela was straight up like, you know, Trixie tried to help me the best she could because I, your girl, your girl ain't know what the fuck she was doing. But I don't know, BB just straight up took all the credit. And I was like, Well, that was kind of foul, but whatever. Um, so then Aja was sitting there talking to BB about because they do this thing where they talk to the girls who are in the bottom two and Shandla was like, do what you feel like you need to do. And BB and Aja were having a, BB and Shandla were having a conversation. Like they were talking back and forth. Aja went to go talk to BB. BB ain't let Aja talk at all. BB was like, I just want you to know that you're really, really good. I think you're very, very talented. I know that you're going to go so, so, so far and Aja was not taking a fucking hint. I was like, Aja sis, she ain't letting you talk because she didn't already put in her head. You going home, baby girl. You going home. So then BB and Trixie had to do their lip sync for your life. And it was to Diana Ross. Oh my God. And I felt like, you know, that was kind of a setup. They wanted BB to win that. So <laughs> BB won and BB sent Aja home. Bye bye, Aja. After she made her dress. But, like, bitch, Shangela is not going nowhere. Because here's another thing, too. Aja been in the bottom two for more than one time. You have to think about continuity. And Shangela been hitting, 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 hitting. So who you going to kick out at the end of all that? Like, I'm going to pick Aja. And yes, I'm saying that because I'm biased and I want Shangela to win. I love the house of Edwards. So I need Shangela to win. I'm rooting for her. I need to catch up. I need you only down down by like one episode though, so you did. So Aja went home. Bye, Aja. Whatever girl. She uh, right. She will. Janelle Monet released two music videos and two singles last week. She released Make Me Feel and Django Jane.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm totally a fan. Those
0: videos were both um, a very bold statement. It was just, both of them were just like, you know, this is me, this is who I am. And you either accept me for who I am or you fuck off. That was essentially what both of those songs were.
1: Yes. She gave you vocals with Make Me Feel. And then she gave you bars with Django Jane. Mm Mm-hmm. But we don't need you Jay. They say you daydream too much.
0: Remember that song? Yes, I did. I will let it go. That's like for some old school, old school Janelle Monet fans. When she had that one album cover where it just looked like it was a picture of her. Yes. Oh,
1: my God. Yes. (laughs) Like, we have no budget. We're just going to put your face on it.
0: (laughs) We're going to work with what we have. Yeah. We
1: go, me and D go way back with Cindy. Way back.
0: Way, way back. My first. Tumblr name. I was telling Libby this. My first Tumblr name was 57821. If y'all know, 57821 is the number that was assigned to Cindy Mayweather, the robot. It's a little history. It's a little musical musical history for you. So anyway, Make Me Feel also had Tessa Thompson in the video. It has been rumored that Janelle Monae and Tessa Thompson are dating an item? I'm here for it. I think the thing with that is, you know, whenever you see all oh, women together, sometimes, because we just listened to that podcast where she was mentioning that yeah. where they just automatically assume that you're a lesbian because you're really, really close with your, your best friend and that may not be the case. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I'm just, this is just my best friend. This is not my lover.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's like, I love I love her. Because she's like a sister to me. Not because I want to screw her. I think a lot of times when things are under the male gaze, it's always about sex. It's
0: always about sex. But I really want her and Tessa Thompson to be dating. I want her to be dating a woman, but not Tessa. Not Tessa Thompson, but we we're going to keep it cute, Libby. We're going to keep it cute.
1: I bowed my head down. Yes, father.
0: <laughs> father. You're on are Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep it cute. Right now, we got Tessa Thompson, so we're going to hold on to Tessa Thompson. Honestly, she can break up with Tessa Thompson and just date Annie Clark. I am here for this. <laughs> okay, so more music facts. Annie Clark is the real name of St. Vincent, <laughs> a rock musician. We went to go see St. Vincent this past weekend. We saw St. Vincent with our adorable, adorable, sweet baby angel, Ashley. We love you so much, Ashley. Oh! Our,
1: uni- our unicorn bay.
0: Just love you. St. Vincent kept it, kept it real cute and simple. She performed on stage with her guitar. She showed some visuals in the back. She gave us visuals. It was like just aesthetic goals. It was just beautiful. I love the color scheme. I love everything. I love the simplicity of her being on stage with just her guitar and a microphone. I absolutely fucking adored that. And then she did this really cool thing where she traveled around the stage as the songs progressed and the story progressed. It was beautiful. And her aunt and uncle opened oh for her.
1: They were adored, guys. Y'all should
0: check out Tuck and Patty on Spotify.
1: Tuck and Patty are, is her aunt and uncle. Um, if you're not familiar with St. Vincent and Annie Clark, she is actually a Dallas native. So it, it was a homecoming. It was a homecoming. It was a homecoming for Tuck and Patty, and it was a homecoming for Miss Annie. And they just, everybody just, I mean, like Tuck and Patty took us to church. And then Annie, a.k.a. St. Vincent, took us to the club. And I couldn't have been more happier. It was an amazing show.
0: Y'all know, okay, so y'all know how I feel about certain white ladies. And Annie is one of them. And Libby teases and teases and teases a
1: bitch. Do not, do not do me guess, like that. Guess who got pulled in by the power of the white cooch of the white panther. <laughs> yes, I am in love, with Annie.
0: <laughs> I just said welcome, shit.
1: I get very easily enamored by people, and she was very enamoring. Like she came out with her little cat suit on, and she got thick thighs, and I was like, "Hi, Annie." she's very aesthetically pleasing oh my gosh, she's so Um, pretty she's very pretty and I don't really throw that around too easily when it comes to my vanilla counterparts but she's fucking gorgeous and she's (laughs) she's extremely talented and that bitch performed her whole album like the whole thing the whole
0: damn album
1: it was broken up into like three parts she had like her sound check of like her two songs and then she had like few songs from her older albums and then she just did like the whole new one (laughs) just like the whole thing and I and I shoulder bopped it was fun it was a lot of fun that
0: was one of the best concerts I've been to
1: yeah I would I would I would have to say it's it's pretty up there I mean she she had like 15 guitar changes
0: yeah, her guitar changes were like
1: outfits. She had me. she had a hot pink guitar, a red guitar, a yellow guitar. a gold
0: one. A gold,
1: the gold one was pretty gorgeous. Oh, that was beautiful. And this was apparently like, this is a completely new guitar shape. Like she, it was amazing. And then she had this, The I can't remember what song she was performing, but at one point it looked like, by this time I had moseyed on by the bar because I'm an old mom and I needed some water. I was like, oh my God it's too many While your kids were still my, my I was like okay kids mama needs her water I'm gonna be by the <laughs> um, but I, I was still pretty close to the to the stage and it was like this giant like light show where it looked like stars beaming out of things mm-hmm. I was like oh my god it was the it was just an amazing an amazing amazing show like Everything was executed amazingly, like the sound, the lights, the the visuals, the aesthetics of everything. I can tell that she's very hands on with what she wants and how she wants things to be viewed and perceived. And so it was executed, executed amazingly. I can't wait to I would definitely go see her again for sure. It's not the end. And then she was like, the end. <laughs> Bitch, she was gone. <laughs> if you ever been, if you ever, that's one thing I can say about any venue in the Dallas area where they have concerts. When there, because the ticket says over at 11 and by George. That at, should be at, done. At 10.59. Thank you. I love you. She was <laughs> she was gone she was fucking gone and that was <laughs> it when i tell you that was a very packed venue it was a huge venue but it was packed 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 um and i loved that our little cluster it was like four black people in one little cluster i enjoyed that it's kind of like we gravitated towards i feel it. like we did because at first we were like we're gonna, we gonna be the only black people at the show and then there was like a little nugget of black people. Mm-hmm. Cluster of black people. And a cute little black angel baby with I don't know if it was a brother or her boyfriend or whoever it was she was like Oh my gosh, she was <laughs> so adorable. <laughs> oh my gosh, she was so cute. She was about as big as a minute, but she was really damn it. Yeah. <laughs> She
0: was she was rocking out and then old girl in front of us that was getting down with the haircut, the short hair, she looked like uh old girl from uh, Deadpool. Yeah. She was rocking out brush. <laughs> Me and Ashley kind of just like we were like, we're going to let you have your space because, bitch, you are getting it. Live your best life. So, yeah, we that concert was great. Um, I'm shipping her with Janelle Monet now, so that's it. That's the end.
1: I'm shipping her with Libby, and that's me. That's my end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bitch, well, welcome to the family.
1: It ain't no family
0: because it's only one. It's only one. <laughs> I'm with my woman, and you with your
1: woman. Don't even try it. You got, you got like a little... No, I got one specific one. Okay, so that's your, so that, so that's your story and you're
0: sticking to it? Okay, but what have I been sending you, like, pictures of and shit in the But DM? my thing is,
1: okay, okay, that, you know what, that's fine. We are, na- we are in the neighboring houses, you and Gwen, I'm with Annie next door, and I don't want to see no other white hoes creeping out the back gro- back door, not cheat on Gwendolyn. So if Kate McKenna came knocking at your door and was we like, D, open up. Why are you why are you <laughs> you would just you would just leave her outside on the porch? You wouldn't open the door. Pisces don't cheat. Well you know what we
0: would let her in the house but I wouldn't fuck her I wouldn't. I honestly would not I can say that with confidence. So if Kate I
1: put the move on you you would just be like get away from me and push her away.
0: I feel like Kate would respect what I have with Gwendolyn, she would know better not to do that.
1: Hi, Gwen. It's Libby. I'm doing well, and yourself? Good. How was Kate? What do you mean, how was Kate? I mean, she was at your house. Bitch, I wish the fuck you. Yeah, you know where my lo- loyalty, 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 loyalty. You know where
0: my I know you would never, I ever would know, never. But I still would not cheat on Gwendolyn Christie. I have decided that. But I, if it was Winston Duke, bitch, just a wrap. She's
1: gonna have to join in or something. I'm sorry. You need to change so, because this can get filthy real quick. <laughs> Moving rapidly along. Monique was on the Breakfast Club. Um, let me stop chuckling, because like, I'm like, kind of laughing. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Monique was on the Christians <laughs> Club. What's, what's, what's your name, baby? Leonard, <laughs> Charlemagne the God. And Angela Yee as well. Angela, Angela Yee got some of that too. Um if you guys do not know, I think we discussed this a uh, few podcasts back. If not, we can go through it again. Monique wanted us to boycott Netflix. Now that, that ain't going to happen, but she wanted us to boycott Netflix because she felt like Netflix had basically held her on how much they were going to pay her for her comedy special. What she tried to do was negotiate something with them to get more money. And, Netflix was like, but sis, like, what are your credentials? Monique is a top billing comedian and she's an Academy Award winning actress. She had some issues with Lee Daniels and Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry. And I do feel like her, because I can't even knock her for being honest and speaking out because that takes a lot of bravery to do that. But I feel like it really hurt her career tremendously. She has been blackballed um, in Hollywood. So maybe the Netflix special was going to kind of be like her reemergence. People have been going in on Monique. Um, They have been making fun of her, talking shit about her, saying what she deserves and doesn't deserve. And Leonard called her the donkey of the day. Now, Leonard got a lot of nerve doing a donkey of the day for anybody, to be honest, because he's just the whole donkey every day. Monique came on the show because she was invited in by the Breakfast Club. And she was like, you know, I want to know why you feel like I should be the donkey of the day because I feel like I'm not getting what I am due. And so his question was to her, what makes you, I need to get, you need to give me the reasons why you feel like you deserve the same amount of money as Chris Rock. Now we're going to be honest. Monique is to me is funnier than Chris Rock, but that's just my personal opinion. I can't speak for everybody else, but not only that Monique has had just about as much box office success as Chris Rock. Cause he didn't have some flops too. And She got an Academy Award on top of all that shit. Monique got a motherfucking Academy Award. can Chris Rock say that? No. What Monique wanted to point out was, you know, they do not want to pay women especially black women, because her main issue was they paid Amy Schumer millions of dollars and they wanted to pay her nickels and dimes. I mean, $500,000 is a lot to me. But when you somebody like Monique and you find out Amy Schumer getting millions of dollars, you're kind of like, what the fuck, bro? Because Monique been in the game longer than Amy Schumer. And Amy Schumer ain't even funny, but okay, whatever. Because I saw her stand up before she got real popular and I was like, This bitch is not funny. She's annoying. But, you know, whatever. Once again, what do I know? Uh, So Monique and Leonard ended up having like this back and forth conversation with each other. And I do feel like it was very diplomatic, but it was just very frustrating coming from the point of view of a black woman because he was just absolutely refusing to listen to her. It was frustrating me watching the video and I don't usually like to give the Breakfast Club my attention because I think they ignorant as fuck. I don't like the way they treat black women when they come on a show. He just I don't know man. It was a it was a really interesting interview. Charlemagne I just don't
1: think that Charlemagne the God liked black women. He got some ends up resentment. The main thing that was very frustrating is let me say this. I do feel that Monique has a slight skewed perception of what she's necessarily do. But one thing that I found about the argument that she had, and even the backup from her husband, Sydney, who is also her business partner and manager, is that, Not only is she fighting for equal rights and equal pay for females, but also for for Black women in regards to Netflix. The one thing that I felt that was really interesting that she broke down um, and spoke about was the fact that if she takes this money, Monique is known for doing her stand-ups and known for touring and going to different clubs and the club circuit, as a lot of comedians do. If she would have taken this deal with Netflix, she would not have been able to perform for two years. She would have been able to do any type of material, any type of club appearances, because you have to obviously promote the, uh, the special that Netflix would produce and create. And so she was searching for a deal that would make her break even or at least get a little bit more money because she wouldn't be able to do her club shows and club appearances. It's one thing. It's like, yeah, it's a Netflix show, but I'm also losing out on like X number of gigs. And she, you know, presented it to Netflix, her and Sydney did. And Netflix was like, no, I think Netflix took advantage of the fact that she is a black woman who has had, a lot of issues of being blackballed being deemed as difficult and being deemed hard to work with. And they pretty much use that. To their- didn't
0: she say though,
1: not to cut you off, I'm sorry,
0: but didn't she say that they had essentially come to her and said, well, you know that you've been blackballed. Yeah. So you should be taking whatever you can. Like what?
1: So that- <laughs> I know my worst. So that was that was the thing it was like they were not willing to renegotiate or to really talk about any modified numbers it was like this is what it is you take it or you leave it and i find it strange that so often black women are used as the laborers of so many movements statements. We fight for people all the time. Most of the time without any thanks or acclaim or anything in that regard. But if we get too loud, if we get too boisterous, if we're saying something that you don't necessarily agree with, then all of a sudden it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be a problem. You may not agree, like we just said. We don't necessarily agree that she deserved to get thirteen million dollars. But goddamn it, if that's what she deserved, that she felt that she deserved, and that she wanted as a legend, because she is a legend. As a critically acclaimed actress and comedian. Who the fuck is
0: Charlamagne the guy to say that she doesn't? Who's to
1: say that she doesn't? Why should she be donkey of the day? Because she's asking for something that you don't necessarily believe that she deserves. I'm just tired of people shitting on black women. Let me be specific. I'm going to be specific.
0: I'm going to shake the table. I'm tired of black men doing that to us. Yeah. Because you know what? I expect, I expect white women to talk shit about us. I expect white men to talk shit about us. Hell, I expect other races to talk shit about us, but it's kind of like, we don't have nobody but ourselves. I'm going to get real, real personal, real, real quick because y'all be leaving us high and dry. Y'all really fucking do. I saw some stupid shit on Facebook where it was like, in Wakanda, the black women are different than the black women here because they respect themselves. Nigga, Wakanda ain't even real. That's the first thing. Second of all, what the fuck you mean? They black women just like we black women.
1: But okay. It's ridiculous. Because it's like, I don't understand what they want Moni to do or what they want her to say. I just feel that she has become this joke and this scapegoat and it's unfortunate because she is such an extremely talented person and black woman and one other thing that I I expect bullshit from Charlamagne Charlamagne is garbage yeah he trains but Angela Lee Angela Yee tried to start shit too and talked about She's bringing up shit from like years, years ago. ago and that's why Monique read her ass for Phil too and said either you're gonna say names or you're gonna leave it on the playground that's yep. what, that's what you're gonna do either you're gonna or you're gonna say names you're not which and that's very daunting because I understand it's a radio show you gotta you know keep up with the Joneses get your ratings blah 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 but like a perfect example. DJ Envy set his ass in his seat and didn't say shit. That was it. He was quiet. I felt like Angela Yee felt the need to open her mouth. It's like a lot of people can sit here and say that Monique is difficult. But how many Black women out there can say that in the workforce, I'm not talking about entertainment or any entertainment status like like a Monique. How many women have been on a job Where they have been deemed difficult, where they have been deemed unapproachable, where they have been deemed trouble starters, troublemakers. People be crying about you and you don't even realize that you've done anything. That you have done anything. What is happening to Monique is something that happens to black women. It's so common. It happens to black women every single day. There's so a Black cute. woman out there who is being talked to, pulled in the office somewhere, and is being sat down and saying, okay, you're, you know, you're, you know, a lot of the team thinks that you're not approachable. Okay. And then you have one or two choices as that Black woman. You can either be like, yes, yes, boss. Sure. No problem. I'll fix it. Or you can shake, rattle and roll that motherfucking table and go to HR and start whatever revolution you want to. Now, let me be clear. Both, both are good options and neither are wrong. And neither is the, is the moral high ground of right or wrong. You got to save your face and do whatever you need to do for yourself. But Mm -hmm. I'm just tired of people picking on black women and questioning why we feel that we deserve a certain certain things black men talk about the shit that they deserve and what they want and what do we do we boost them up yes baby yes you deserve that yes black boy magic black man joy yes do it do it ooh ah yes but if a black woman speaks up and says the things that she wants, and it's like, bitch, how dare you? You better be glad that you're even here, existing in this space. Mm-hmm. Shut up. You're, make, you're rattling the table for everybody here. Mm-hmm. Shut, your, shut your mouth. Why are you opening your mouth? Shut up. Yeah. So to my girls who are out there, my black women who are out there who are difficult, and I'm using air quotes that are difficult, Rattle and shake the motherfucking table because it doesn't. It, it serves no purpose for you to create yourself as a small, demure character if that's not really, truly who you are. And I right. mean, and I need mean black men and black women who don't necessarily fall under that scope. And but you, you know, you don't. You feel the need to to talk shit about it because it's not who you are. I need mean, you're gonna support it. You gonna I, need you to shit, I need you to shut the fuck up. Because that's all you
0: can do. That's all we need you to
1: do. All Monique is asking for is to be paid what she is worth. And I feel that Monique is worth way more than $500,000. Yep.
0: They didn't even try.
1: The thing is, they didn't even try to negotiate. No, they said no. That
0: was the problem. That was the problem. It was a hard number. If I were Netflix, I'd be like, all right, sis, come on now. 13 million is
1: a stretch.
0: But we can negotiate. But also here's another thing too. If you paying Chris Rock 13 million, why not go in thinking I'm worth 13 million too? I'm just as funny. I'm just as talented. I am also a legend. Why not though? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. like Why that you are deserved that as well. Or if somebody like Amy Schumer getting paid $13 million. If Amy Schumer getting paid $13 million, then goddammit, I'm going to go in and be like, where well, my $13 million too? Because you done hooked Amy Schumer up, and I've been in the game longer than Amy Schumer. My movies don't flop, and I have an Academy Award. Can Amy Schumer say that? No, she cannot. So I get it, I totally get it, but I wouldn't have paid none of them niggas thirteen million dollars.
1: None of There's, them, because I,
0: <laughs> y'all ain't reprimanded nothing this motherfucker. So I wouldn't have paid y'all no thirteen million dollars. You're always getting labeled difficult when you you know what I deserve to be fought for, and if I have to fight for myself, then that's just what I'm gonna do. And the moment you speak up and you you do shake the table or you rattle the strings a little bit somebody gets caught off guard and it really eats at people when black women realize their worth and they know that deep down what you are saying is, is is going in one ear out the other. It's, it's dust to me. I pay it in dust because I know who I am and I know what I deserve in this life, in this business, whatever the business may be. And it bothers people to see black women boosting themselves up. It really, I really feel like it bothers them because anytime you see somebody speaking up and saying what they're going to deal with and what they're not going to deal with and it's a black woman, we got issues. All that shit happened with Harvey Weinstein. All that shit happened. And they was just boosting up white women. Just boosting up. I was like, I know it's not just white women. That he was sexually harassing. I know it's not. They were speaking up, but it was just white women. I was like, I know it's not. Shit happened to somebody black. All these women, all these white women that talk about feminism and support and solidarity, they disappear. You don't fucking see them. It's too common. So we at a point now where it's like, but well, you know what, bitch, we got it. We don't even need y'all, and it bothers people. It fucking bothers them.
1: But see, what I don't understand is like you see so much criticism against Black women for speaking out and showing up. So you want us to do the legwork for you. You want us to be- you want to benefit from the things that we attain for you, but you don't want to support us. Because you look at these large movements, these large scale movements, the hashtag means twos, the, the black lives the black lives matter. All these things that you are benefiting from inherently secondhand, but you oh, oh, we need black women will save us. No, no motherfuckers, we're not gonna save you. We gotta save ourselves. Worst comes to worse, we don't come first. You can oh, you, you can't piggyback off of our movements, off of our statements, off of our fights. Because whilst people sit up here and make fun of Monique and talk shit about her, you don't know she could have very well paved the way and paved the opportunity for another Black comedian coming up to make better choices, advocate for themselves more, a number of things. You don't know. Because Wanda Sykes, she mentioned Wanda Sykes, and Wanda Sykes had
0: admitted that, you know, she did a special and they paid her less than they paid Monique. And one of the psych said, I suffered in silence. And so Monique was like, How long do we have to suffer in silence, though? Nothing is going to get done if we're walking around with our mouths closed and our heads down. Now, that's just the truth. Ronnie said it best in Players Club. Closed legs don't get fed, but we're going to switch it for mouth. <laughs> closed mouth don't get fed. It's true. It's fucking true. A closed mouth don't get fucking fed. It just don't. You have to speak up. But who's to say that Tiffany Haddish, Haddish won't be like, nah, fuck you, pay me. Or Leslie Jones won't be like, nah, fuck you, pay." because Leslie Jones is a legend as well. She's been in this game a long time. Or Quinta. Or... Who are who are some other people that are trying to build themselves off the ground? Like it's just so many people. Issa Rae, like yeah. how do you not know that these women will not look at this and be like, if she can speak up, I can speak up too. Because I look at Monique and I'm seeing that and I'm like, no, if somebody asks me to do something and I feel like I should be paid more, then goddamn I'm just gonna have to speak up. And either I don't get paid or I don't do it. That's one of the that's those are the only options. That's it. That's
1: it. Yeah, and I think that it's also very important as black women, um, black women and other women of color that we have to learn how to network and pool our resources together to really learn because let's let's just be honest. A lot of times, especially in regards to black women, we just trying to fucking survive. So Mm -hmm. growing up you're probably raised in an environment where you're not taught how to advocate for yourself. You're not taught to do business proposals. You're not taught to, you're not taught to do salary negotiations. You're not taught to do any of these things. You're taught to get whatever salary you get, you fucking take it. And if you get a raise and you know, you doing better than most. I think that it's important that of, you know, that there becomes a sisterhood, a network a mentorship so to speak where if you're you're a woman a black woman or another woman of color and you have a certain set of skills that you have that you know hey I know about Salary negotiations. This is how you have to go in there and this is how you have to do it. Share your resources. Teach your resources to other people. So when black women and other women of color go in these board meetings or go in these meetings with their supervisors and their bosses, they can know how to properly advocate for themselves. Because I think that it's one of those things that's not taught to us. We are a very new generation of women that are learning how to go in the spaces and advocate for ourselves because we were not taught to do that. Mm -hmm. Our mothers and grandmothers and all the other women before us, they were literally trying to survive. They didn't have no time to advocate for themselves. They just knew that they had kids and a family that needed like roof over their head, clothes on their back. Food in their stomach. They weren't worried about no advocating for no fucking salary. So we owe it not only to them, but to ourselves to learn how to work the system from the inside out. And I think that a huge part of that would be beneficial when it comes to mentorship and women networking with other women, especially women of like-minded ideals and they look like each other. Hey, I'm, I'm Black sis. I can help my other Black sis advocate for herself if she would like me to. This is the resources that I have. Here's what you, you know, this is what can help you. Here's some links. Here's some books that you should read. Here's a business plan that you should look at. Shit like that. We have to create little mini empires to help ourselves because these Black men ain't going to do it for us. These white men ain't going to do it for us. These white women ain't going to do it for us. So we have to do it for ourselves. Just like we said the last podcast, these motherfuckers will talk a good game because it's hip, it's popular, but if they're not going to make a space for you at the table, you have to fucking make one yourself. Mm-hmm. Get your goddamn plate, get, pull up your chair, get your knife, your fork, and your spoon, and be like, okay, well, pass me some bread. Because, bitch, I'm eating at this motherfucking table, too. You look at our culture, you read our culture, your fucking culture vultures. You want to digest everything that is us, but you don't want to help us. So we have to help ourselves. So all I know is Monique's words were not left on any deaf ears over here. I heard everything that she said. Yeah, I agreed with everything that she said.
0: We do not. You have to live your life like you are a million mediocre white men. You have to walk into that motherfucker like I am the, the white king of the world, motherfucker. You have to, because if you don't, you're gonna get trampled on. And a white man would have went in there in the Netflix office and said, you know what, goddamn it, I need 13 million. And Netflix would have negotiated with his bitch ass. And then they use that whole you've been black ball shit against Monique which is not cool because all these trash ass actors that are out here getting checked still ain't nobody saying that shit about them
1: and honestly the whole blackball thing that's so dated
0: it's it really old oh, it's it really cute. it's
1: so dated Precious has been out
0: many and it's fucking like Lee Daniels and Tyler period many years away. ago
1: that's so that's so done the conversation about black men dismantling black women's spirits is a whole nother conversation for another goddamn day. But it It is, we can say that for it. Because another, but another it's a but my know. nigga, it's a pen in it because we it's it's some shit to talk about. Just
0: from personal experiences alone. <laughs>
1: Everyone want to talk about Monique, make fun of her and all this shit. It's all a big kiki. It's all a big laugh. But let your black ass be on the chopping block. Then you want motherfuckers to just come rallying around you. But you know but you know what? what black, but what black women do, we show up and show out. Even when you niggas do. don't do it for us, we will always do it for you. Because we love y'all nappy-headed asses more than we love ourselves sometimes. But
0: I think that a lot of black women are now sort of It's over that it. It's
1: over it. What because it's it's one of those things, it's unfortunate because there are good black men that will end up suffering because of that. But it's like, why should we keep tying ourselves to the train tracks? Why? Why? Co- why when constantly, no matter what you do, there is somebody out there that is advocating against you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. Whether you're a preacher's child, a a, a stripper, a prostitute, a businesswoman, they work at nine to five. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. They will still treat you like gutter trash because that's what they view you as. That's what they will treat you as. No matter how you present yourself, they will say that it is less than, that you could be better than. All the while, they will just just—they're giving you the, the the bare minimum of themselves. Say that shit again. And they're giving you the bare minimum of themselves while telling you you can do better. That's
0: that's a motherfucking word. Every right time
1: then. I go on Twitter, you see some ash. They're perfect example. I don't even want to say the person the person's at handle because I don't want any you know negative traffic but this beautiful plus size black woman posted a picture of herself looking gorgeous in her cute little lacy ass dress and shit and what do you see this bitch is just minding her motherfucking business she said i rose to the occasion and she had some beautiful roses in her hand living her best life posting her pictures where she feels good about herself and what do you do you click on the picture and you scroll down to some ashy ass fucking loser talking shit about her but we, but what we, but through it all, we still love you, because we are you. You are our daddies, our sons, our uncles. We love you. When they put your asses on the pavement, they put us on the pavement too. But why should we keep t- tying ourselves to the train tracks when it means absolutely nothing? Because every time you do it. You slap us in our face. And it makes us think, well, why did we even do that? Why go through all of that? Because at the end of the day, you're just going to leave me high and dry. It makes me angry. Because I just, I see tons of beautiful, beautiful black women who put up with so much shit. That they shouldn't, that they shouldn't, have, shouldn't to. have to. Girl, and for, motherfucking and, work. And for what? For what? For a half ass nigga. They don't ever be worth it. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Never. Because a man worth his salt would never make you work harder than you have to to gain their love and their respect. Never. They will give it to you freely because they recognize the beauty within themselves and they realize that a black woman is a reflection of them. And so they will treat you and honor you more than they honor and treat themselves because you, we are a reflection of each other. We each other. I see you. You see me. We see your pain. We advocate for your pain, but you can't see it in us. Let me drink my water. I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> so you niggas, they are trash, and I'm not saying it ain't no good men out there because because it, it, it is. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Y'all are out there and y'all are doing some good work. Keep doing it. But y'all need to gather up y'all brethren every now and then because they be acting foul. It's not if, if you a black man and you see and you see your brother out there acting trifling, tap them on their shoulder. They may not listen, they may cuss you out and be like, fuck you, man. But hey, at least you took the took a step to try to change somebody's mind. Because it clearly they are not listening to us. Oh, she not even tell you why she asked you for all that money, man, and for that, blah, blah, blah. Why shouldn't she? If it was Chris Rock getting 500000 dollars and that was it, and that nigga ain't ever won no award.
0: He's he is, annoying
1: at best. And he's annoying. And he's someone who's rattled the table. And he has an unsavory past. But I bet you when he went in the Netflix studio and that table, they gave him more than $500,000. But this black woman who has literally won an Academy Award was the talk of the motherfucking town. She became blackballed after she won the award. The press junk is over by then. Yep.
0: She got blackballed after because she was not going. She was not here for whatever bullshit that was going on behind the scenes. She was not here for the bullshit. Let a
1: man cause a fit. They would just pay him the money and be like, okay, I'm sorry. And they would call him a boss. But they call her a bitch. Somebody threw a check at one of her people on a set. And you wanted to want trying to figure out why she went the fuck off. But if she didn't advocate for her people, then you'd be like, oh, then she, let, she, she let people treat her up, up people like trash. But then when she does speak up, then she's a bitch. And it's all, look at the line of people talking about her. They're all black men, all black men, all black men. And that's why when she got up and she packed up her Louis Vuitton bag, she said, you do not like black women. You do not advocate for black women. You've seen it with Little Mama. You've seen it with Janet Mock. You've seen it with, with, uh, I can't remember. They did it with Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj or La-, La Maya Negra. They did it with Lil' Kim. All these people that you get, you get on, get on the show, you get, your, you get them on your show, you get them in your seats and the ones that you think you can punk, that's what you do. That's what you do. You try to treat them like shit and put them on the spot and make fun of them because it's a joke.
0: I still remember Nicki Minaj. She was like, I'm I'm going to leave because y'all do not do y'all history. Y'all know who I am. Y'all know what music I do. It, y'all supposed to be a radio show that's based off hip-hop culture. Don't come in here fucking playing with me. They did it with Jocelyn, too. I still remember when that nigga Charlamagne asked Jocelyn if she had a dick. I still remember that. And Jocelyn told him she would whoop his ass on sight if he thought it was cute disrespect disrespectful. They're disrespectful.
1: But when Birdman walked in the spot, you shutting the fuck up. Oh, he shut up quick. He shut up quick. He garbage. DJ Envy, he semi-garbage. He was at least had enough common sense to shut the fuck up. And, Angel- and Angelia is garbage, too. She be getting on my nerves, too. Because
0: she be instigating shit.
1: She is. And don't be knowing what the fuck she talking about.
0: Not- now y'all on a radio show and y'all don't be knowing. I don't understand. They dumb as hell. I don't understand. Like y'all a radio show and it's a morning radio show. And you doing like, it's hip hop. It's black culture. How the fuck somebody like a Maryland come on the show and you know, you finna interview her, you notice, but then you say, why you feel like you couldn't cross over. And she tells you why. And but we are and we knew this. I'm not even interviewing her and I fucking knew this. Why are you playing games? Why are you doing it? And then, like you said, she tells you and then you belittle her.
1: But Tommy Laren come on there. Tommy Laren gets a whole Tommy Laren goes on that show and you give her a whole platform to speak her mind and hear both sides. And then Angela Yee is disgusting because you let these men talk down to these women on the show while you sit there. You sit there, lean back with your green juice, not saying shit to these black women as they sit up there getting talked to. But we're not going to touch on the intersectional racism right there, the, the light skinned privilege that you have as a woman that you're able to lean back in your seat and watch black women be torn down and not say a fucking thing. Don't say shit. In fact, you instigated it. The conversation was already heated enough with Charlemagne and with Monique. It was diplomatic, but it was heated. And it was mm-hmm. and it was kind of getting that kind of thing where it was talking in circles. It was kind of getting elevated. Oh, well, just just to speak on that, I mean, when you were at the the Essence shoot and you did... Leave it on the playground. And then shoot so long ago so long ago you learn how to love us because the love you save might be your own this was a derailing and this was a ramble but it was a ramble that needed to be heard because i'm tired of you motherfuckers out there treating black women like we're shit but then when you need somebody to advocate for your ass be the first motherfuckers that you want to call oh yeah i'll be ready motherfuckers want to do the women's march here you come
0: you want to get Debbie Allen, and you want to get, you know, motherfucking just every black actor that you can. Oh, you be ready for that. Oh, you be ready playing Beyonce, playing Missy Elliott to motivate your asses walking through the street. But the moment Missy Elliott say, fuck you, pay me, girl, you ain't had no album come out in the da 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 Who are you?
1: Oh, be quick to do it. Be quick to do it they already deem you as unworthy because you're black. Then you're unworthy because you're a woman. And then you're triply unworthy because you're a fat black woman. Like, you're lucky you're even in the room. How dare you open your mouth? It's just, it's
0: a lot. It's a lot. And, you know, we did not want to take this there. But honestly, it's just so many things to unpack when it comes to black womanhood. I, I haven't even begun to to even talk about the levels of Black queer womanhood. It's just, it's a lot. It's, honestly, there's just, there's so much. I don't want y'all to think we sad or upset or anything like that. You know, we just, sometimes, you know, you
1: just have to get the words out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: actually in a very good mood today.
0: I'm in a great <laughs> mood I'm in a great mood. We just
1: we just be tired. We're tired. We just yeah, you
0: just tired of the bullshit. And sometimes it's nice. Yeah, we know how to fight for ourselves and sometimes it's nice to have an ally ally because honestly like black women all we really have is like oh black women. Pretty much. And sometimes you gotta fight them too. (laughs) Pretty much.
1: Because they're brainwashed too, that's all. Yeah, no, for real. Feeling the need to have to be under the constant gaze of male attention and male approval that they'll shit on their own sisters to get that. They, they sure will. But you know what? What the fuck do we know? What do we know?
0: All we telling y'all is know your worth, especially for our black women out there that listen to this
1: podcast. Just know your motherfucking worth. Yep. Know your worth. Know what you bring to the table. Advocate for others. Advocate for yourself. Do research. Fight for yourself. Fight for yourself. All, All of
0: that. All of that. All of that. All of that. All of that. So, yeah. Speaking of Black women, How to Get Away with Murder and Scandal, they're doing crossover episodes this week. We're gonna watch it. That is our homework. For this episode. So yeah. Those crossovers. And more importantly. A Wrinkle in Time. Comes out next week. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of Ava. I just really. 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 Really really admire Ava. Ava is one of my favorite, just not even favorite directors, just favorite people in general. It is a legitimate, like, starting from the bottom. Ava didn't pick up a camera until she was in her 30s. And, one of, those things are important to a lot of us who did not get the opportunity to express ourselves creatively in our youth, did not get the opportunity to do stuff like that. Because sometimes you kind of feel like your fuse gets cut short and you get discouraged and you don't want to do it. But I look at people like Ava and I'm like, well, no, you have to keep going because you never know what will happen 10 years from now when you are sitting here and you hold in the camera and you nervous as fuck. Or you sitting at your computer and you typing, you scared as fuck, and you making a video, or you going to do that audition for some TV show or some commercial, you really never know how the fates and the stars line up for you. And Ava's story is just so inspirational to me. I really look into it because I do want to make movies and I do want to write and I want to do all those things. And sometimes you do get discouraged. Sometimes you sit and you're like, what? the fuck am I doing I'm wasting my time and I think about it and I know that Ava has had those days but she kept pushing and you just have to keep pushing and now Ava's doing a wrinkle in time and she has made Meg a biracial black girl you just have to keep going and I cannot wait to watch it and it's a heroine finally bitch finally goddamn black female heroine shit (laughs) all in <laughs> i'm just so excited i can't wait we're gonna jet now because i feel like we have i feel like we have given you guys enough we've given you thirst we've given you pop culture we've given you media updates and we've given you tea and i think that that is more than enough and so now we are going to go
1: where can they find us? That was beautiful. You're welcome.
0: Ah! Oh. <laughs> Y'all can find us on Twitter at We Know You Care. You can email us at weknowyoucare at gmail.com. It's- W e k n o u c a r e at com, and if you have a tumblr and you feel more compelled to be there we have a tumblr as well we know you
1: care dot tumblr, dot com <laughs> tweet us, email us tumblr us, all that good jazz
0: all that good stuff y'all I'm hungry
1: And it is 10 o'clock, so
0: we are going to go. We love you guys, and we know you can. Bye.